0: The muscles, yeah, slapping the biceps, slapping the biceps. What else am I flexing? The quads, quad flex, slapping the quads. Look at those muscles, draw. <laughs> playerprofiler.com is back, brother. Oh, it's back and it's fast. It's faster than ever, brother. You thought you could slow down playerprofiler.com, didn't you, Turkish hackers? Oh, you did, huh? You thought you could take the site down, and you thought you could slow us down, and you thought people wouldn't be able to access advanced metrics on football players anymore. Isn't that what you thought, Turkish hackers? Yeah, you thought you are big and tough coming in on a little site that has advanced football (laughs) metrics. Damn it! Damn it, I had it! It had the character! Why did I laugh? God damn it! Oh, God. Comedy's just not. Uh, I had him. Um, brother, I can't do it again! It's just one of those things you get into the character, and it was in my. God, I could feel my abdominal wall just constricting and pushing out. The brother! (laughs) now <laughs> it's it's been broken once the character is broken it's over you cannot put the character's toothpaste back in the tube and continue i've already lost my voice too is this what i'm hearing oh no the show is going to be is it friday yes thank goodness <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows but that's right the turkish hackers came in 3 weeks ago took the site down deleted all the data blew us up and there was carnage everywhere. We were picking up body parts from Roto Underworld, staff members. And we regrouped. We regrouped. We got the site back up. And it was slow. And we'd go down here and there. And then then it was fine for a day. And then another group of Turkish hackers, a different group, t- took us down again. Then we figured out the problem. We figured out the security, whatever it is, the hole in the security. Figured out the glitch. Fixed the glitch. We fixed the glitch. Still slow. Site was still painfully slow. Couldn't be... I didn't find it very usable. I had to go to cached versions of pages on Google. It was embarrassing. And I even tweeted out, Hey, I know it's slow. Go to these cached versions on Google. If you want to load player pages faster, I'm sorry. This is embarrassing. This is not... We are not a major sports media platform, everybody. I know. I know this is news. I, I know some of you are thinking, what? PlayerProfiler.com? You're not on ESPN's level? No. 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 We're not. We're not. And the hackers exposed us. Site looks cool. But it's put together with scotch tape and glue behind the scenes. And we were exposed. Once the bomb went off, it was like, Whoa! there's very little protection devices everyone's dead yeah pretty much three weeks of damage it caused but now we are back lots of hard work we are back so when i want to talk about andre johnson now on the fly while i'm doing my show and by the way i'm finding out a lot of of the different shows out there, a lot of the football podcasts and football radio shows, the hosts listen to this show. So I knew fantasy writers listen to the show, because I read the articles that essentially mimic what I'm saying on the show, and I read the the article about that a week later, which is phenomenal. I love that. But I didn't know that, I don't listen to a lot of fantasy podcasts, so I didn't know that the the podcasters are are listening to the show as well, and I'm truly grateful, as I am the articles being written uh, that align with my points of view from the show. But, the interesting thing about doing a show with PlayerProfiler.com back online and fast, is that when you want to talk about a player and someone hits you with I I don't know, a random player, Hey, give me your take on Andre Johnson! Oh, well, Andre Johnson's pretty good. Oh, well, I kind of like him in Redraft, uh, but I have him in Dynasty. Oh, jeez, what am I doing?! People listen to this crap? Yeah, well, maybe you could have more people listening to your show if you typed in playerprofiler.com, and then as the question is coming in, you go, and then Andre Johnson is up on the screen. You go, oh, well, Andre Johnson's this fast, and Andre Johnson's this efficient, and Andre Johnson has this level of opportunity last year, and then that, that may or may not be changing going into this year. And then the person that you're doing the show with, or the guest, or whoever, says, "Oh, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty clever. That's that's pretty insightful. Good job with your Andre Johnson. Well, how did you did you come up with all that off the top of your head? How did? Wow, that's this is great radio for anyone that cares about empirically demonstrated opinions about football players and." Fantasy football. Wow, this is this is insightful, interesting stuff. I'm captivated. How did you do that? Oh well, I just pulled up playerprofiler dot com and I typed in the player's name, and all of a sudden I sound smart on the radio. Whoa! How about that, folks? We can do that now again. So I, this is all just this whole charade that I've for <laughs> from the last seven minutes of the the beginning of this show is essentially to tell you that I've been doing the show for the last three weeks without my crutch without my blankie without the ability just to throw the the player profiler page of a player up and start reading off metrics I haven't really ha- if you've noticed if you go back and listen to the last three weeks of shows don't do that by the way if you've already listened once that's enough my god but you'll notice that there's it's lacking It's lacking in the data-driven arguments are sorely lacking. I was kind of winging it. And the audience continues to grow, but I think the audience is growing mostly because we're heading into football season. We have a lot of people that unfollowed me on January 1 of 2015 are now following me again as of now. Oh, it's football season! Time to follow Fantasy underscore Mansion. Oh, it's football season! Let's start listening to Roto Underworld Radio again. Yeah, well, guys, uh, here's the thing. The last six months, we've talked about a lot of a lot of players. We've talked about Devonte Adams, Calvin Johnson, Kelvin Benjamin, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. We the, the, we've talked about a lot of players. The laundry list, and in fact, you can just go to playerprofiler.com, click on the podcast section, and you can scroll through our entire podcast library. None of those podcasts are behind a paywall. You can go listen to the entire catalog of Roto Underworld Radio episodes, and every single one of those episodes going all the way back to last January, we've been doing at least three shows a week, all of it evergreen content, all of it relevant for now. We do very little, oh, what's the news of the day? Let's break down this nugget that's only relevant for the next two weeks. We rarely do that. Almost all the content that has been shared on Roto Underworld Radio was relevant when it was shared in March or April, and it's relevant today. So check that out. Again, playerprofiler.com is back up and running. It is fast. Go! Go to there! Go there, everyone. Explore. Enjoy the site And be blissful. Because that's how I feel. I mean finally what we did was we We upgraded servers. We now have dedicated servers and the site it has never been faster. And a a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. As you can tell, I'm ripping my shirt off like Hulk Hogan to begin the show. Because it's just a great feeling to finally be Over and be able to put things back together. After the earthquake, when you months, years go by, and you finally look back at the city and you can't tell there was an earthquake, all of the buildings have been rebuilt. That is such a good feeling. Now, Why was I pulling up Andre Johnson's page on playerprofiler.com? Because Andre Johnson's an interesting case this year because Andre Johnson has conflicting efficiency metrics. I like Andre Johnson this year, and it's strange because, as we talked about on the last show, his efficiency metrics are bad. 87th in the league production premium, which is our isolated efficiency metric, which essentially factors out all of the outlier situations that a player was in and gives you a situation agnostic valuation measurement of his efficiency in 2014 and Andre Johnson's negative 20.0 production premium was 87th in the league his target premium measuring his production against the other receivers on the Houston Texans last year negative 22.1 percent 84th in the league So Ryan Fitzpatrick last year was better off throwing to everyone except Andre Johnson, essentially. His yards per target last year, an abysmal an abominable 6.4, 98th in the league. I mean, he's, I mean, Devontae Adams is sitting there going, how did you get a yards per target so low, Andre Johnson? When Devontae Adams is making fun of your yards per target, you know it was bad. But we talked about with Martavis Bryant. When you have two sets of efficiency metrics that are in conflict, whereas the Martavis Bryant yards per target tops in the league, yet his catch rate near the bottom amongst wide receivers. So when you see this wide disparity, this dichotomy between two efficiency metrics what it indicates is that there was more randomness driving this player's performance in a particular season than normal. And that was my assertion with Martavis Bryant. And because Andre Johnson's contested catch rate last year was 61.5% on 30 targets, 61.5% was 13th in the league. So Hakeem Nicks. Reggie Wayne, those players have awful contested catch rates because they're done in their final season before the National Football League expels them out the drainpipe. Most receivers in their final year before they are flushed away their contested catch rate is terrible because they are just, it's evident to everyone. It's evident to coaches, it's evident to GMs around the league that in contested situations, this player just can't win anymore. Whether it's the explosion, whether it's the strength, whether it's the body control, whether it's the hand-eye coordination, all of those things leave you with age. But that wasn't the case with Andre Johnson last year. Again, contested catch rate of 61.5% was 13th in the league. So he is like Martavis Bryant in that there's a wide disparity between his efficiency metrics. There's no efficiency metric on the Andre Johnson profile on playerprofiler.com where he was ranked 40th in the league, where he was just a guy. It was either really bad or really good. And that indicates a higher level of randomness that is out of the ordinary was influencing his performance in 2014. Sometimes that's due to bad quarterback play, sometimes that's due to game plan and game flow. It, it doesn't matter, we don't need to go back and, and and figure out the puzzle like it's an unsolved mystery. When you see that disparity, just know that those efficiency metrics are not to be taken on face value the way you would take efficiency metrics on face value if they were consistent across the board, like they are with Devontae Adams, consistently bad across the board. Not the case with Andre Johnson. And the best argument that I have for why I may not want to draft Andre Johnson in fantasy is that Ryan Grigson likes him. And typically, if Ryan Grigson likes you, that's a bad thing. That's your Trent Richardson, your Frank Gore. These are players that Ryan Grigson thought were a good idea to bring in. Whenever I see a news, another blurb about how Trent Richardson is about to be flushed out of the league because he's failing wherever he is now in Oakland, it just makes me laugh. It makes me laugh thinking about Ryan Grigson. Thinking about Ryan Grigson trading a first-round pick to the Cleveland Browns for Trent Richardson. After it was obvious to everyone in the world except Ryan Gregson that Trent Richardson was not actually a running back with a first-round pick profile that had first-round pick ability. But he still traded for Trent Richardson as if he was still a first-round quality running back, even though it was revealed to everyone except Ryan Grigson that uh, Trent Richardson's trending toward bust. Ryan Grigson did not get that memo. Ryan Grigson just loves to bring in names. Frank Gore, I know that name. Andre Johnson, he's a future Hall of Famer. Let's bring these guys in. Ryan Grigson reminds me of a friend of mine named Greg, who I play fantasy football with. Greg is actually the guy. This is Greg Bukowski. Greg Bukowski is a friend of mine from college. He's the individual who introduced me to fantasy. He set me up in my first fantasy baseball league. That's how I was introduced to fantasy. In fact, I'm fairly new to fantasy fantasy football. I'm more of a fantasy baseball head have been since year two thousand. I've only recently adopted fantasy football as my fantasy game of choice. Sorry, everybody. I'm not really I know, right? Right? You thought you thought, oh, this guy's a fantasy expert, oh this guy's one of the mavens of the industry. This guy has been studying advanced metrics in the realm of football for decades he must have in order to create something like playerprofile.com right yeah so mm, kind of new to everything kind of new to football kind of new to the metrics <laughs> oh sorry oh the emperor has no clothes no but seriously i'm a quick study so i just i can pick stuff up quickly i'm smart i can pick things up don't worry everybody i know what i'm doing. Okay, I'm not just winging it out here. Didn't just pick up a fantasy magazine 2 years ago and say, "Hey, fantasy football sounds fun." Actually, that is kind of true, but listen. I'm different. Okay, I'm not I'm not like the other fly-by-night fantasy football experts out there. I'm the real deal, guys, okay? Just I'm a quick study. Okay, I'm a I'm a savant, right? I'm a like like Ted Thompson's a wide receiver savant. I'm a fantasy football savant. I just I looked at fantasy football a couple years ago and I said, "Oh, I understand that." It was like you put Mozart sit him in front of a piano and he can just play. You set me in front of a fantasy game and I can just play. Just trust me. Just trust me. Doesn't matter how long I've been at it. I'm a savant, okay? Just trust me. Trust me. I wouldn't trust me. But Greg introduced me to fantasy the sport. And it was one of those things where Greg never evolved. Greg's been playing fantasy the same way since 2000 and his you can his tactics haven't evolved, his thinking hasn't evolved. And always since he introduced me to the sport, Greg has only drafted The name brand players. He starts paying attention to football at some point in August. Like a lot of you that are starting to follow me right now. And he only drafts the guys he's heard of. The guys he thinks of as stars. Greg is also the individual who got me the job at Northwestern as an equipment manager. So I have Greg to thank for essentially my whole... My entire foray into the sports world can be traced back to this Greg Bukowski character. And the reason why Greg started off his Northwestern career as a student equipment manager is because Greg Bukowski is a jock-sniffing meathead. Just like Ryan Grigson. Grigson got Trent Richardson wrong. Grigson got Hakeem Nix wrong. He will be getting Frank Gore wrong this year. Mark my words, we will see it play out together. I love Philip Dorsett, but he got Philip Dorsett wrong because the Colts were the last team in the National Football League that needed Philip Dorsett, yet that's who they drafted with their first-round pick. But it's funny. I talked about Ted Thompson a few minutes ago. I mentioned Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson and Ryan Grigson have something in common. They have two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL leading their respective teams. Therefore, mainstream sports media will never hold them accountable for all of these bad decisions they make. Because Aaron Rodgers negates all those bad decisions. Imagine that. Everything you do works out. Andrew Lockhead, Hakeem Nicks. In three receiver sets. And he still led the NFL in passing. How is that possible? He's Andrew Locke. He's the eraser of GM mistakes. Who wouldn't love that job? I have a job. And even when I make mistakes, the quarterback erases them. And then when I do something right, in the case of Andre Johnson, that's the one acquisition that Ryan Grigson has made recently that was actually a sound one, a good value pickup a talented player signed inexpensively Ryan Grigson's not very good at doing that he did that in the case of Andre Johnson like with Ted Thompson finding Jeff Janis these GMs are the blind squirrels that occasionally find the nut Andre Johnson is Ryan Grigson's nut did not sound good. Don't can we edit this? Is this just a show we don't edit the show? Oh no. Oh, that didn't sound good. Okay. Okay. I would love that though. Who wouldn't love to take a test if you're a college student? Imagine having a test where the person who wrote the book that you're taking a test about is standing over your shoulder with an eraser. And every time you circle the wrong bubble on the test sheet. The person just leans over, erases it, and then colors in the correct answer. That's what Ryan Grigson has in the form of Andre of Andre Johnson is gonna help him, but Ryan Grigson has that in the form of Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is the the teacher's assistant sitting over the shoulder of Ryan Grigson, making sure he can never fail. It's impossible. Even if their defense is horrible, their offense will put up enough points to get them in the playoffs. Ryan Grigson is as close to an infallible GM as there is in football. In sports, maybe. It's like having LeBron James. If if you're a GM with LeBron James, you can do no wrong. If you're a GM with Andrew Luck, there's very little that you can do wrong. It's amazing. It really is. Now, buzzardry. The Buzzards love that I went after Blog Talk Radio's head of programming. Here's a message from a buzzard. Blog Talk's head of programming must have liked the new Star Wars movies. Good one. Good one. I love it, though. This is one of the first times that I have received unanimous support from the listeners. Because it's... I I think you love... People love battles. Takeoff. Let's do a takeoff. Hot take versus hot take. Yeah. Battle. Yeah. Call him out. Yeah. Hate harder than him. Hate hard. Go get him. Debate. So that's what we have. We have me, the host, the lowly host running the free show on free software just getting by, just plugging away, not part of a major sports media platform, not making millions of dollars, just toiling away in relative obscurity against the head of programming at the big platform. And I'm not going to give away the name here, That's that would be, you can look it up if you want, but... We'll call him Buttsweat. That's what'll be, that'll be his name from now on. The head of programming at Blog Talk Radio, we will just refer to him as I, He's. T- when I think of him, in my mind's eye, I think of him and I, and I attach the name Butthead to him. But I don't like Butthead. Butthead has Beavis and Butthead connotations. So we'll call him Butt Sweat. And you all are just cheering. Yeah, Manchin! Go get him! Yeah, woo! Let's go get him! On oh, blog talk yeah as I'm speaking to you on blog talk radio's platform for free oh let's go get him anyway but you're cheering me and I'm going back thinking about that conversation I had with butt sweat and I'm reminded that during that conversation I felt like a coward I did remember I retold the story on the last show I didn't I didn't Bite back at the hand that feeds me. No, I was I I was a coward on that during that phone call. We're all remembering it wrong because now after the fact, after I meekly accepted his criticism Now, I'm lashing out behind his back on my radio show that there's no way he would ever listen to because the audio quality ISN'T UP TO HIS STANDARDS. Yes, it's just not not clear enough for me. Sounds like you're calling from a bunker. Ew. I would never listen to that. But I love it. I love getting all of these buzzard messages because now you all are in on the joke. Like, you get it. You all get the show. Like, I, we're at that point now. There's always going to be one or two people that email the show rotounderworld at gmail.com or tweet the show at rotounderworld, and they clearly don't get it, and that's fine. But it, those people are now the super minority. And now I have the unwavering support of the minions against this audio-fascist butt-sweat individual. And this here's the thing. What gets me about butt-sweat is that this is blog talk radio we're talking on. (laughs) Blog talk radio has built its reputation on being known for having... Bad sound quality, bad audio is their reputation, and he's the guy that's giving me attitude for intentionally having an underground sound to my show. It's unbelievable when you think about it. Now back to injury predictor. We have not finished that topic yet either. Oh, well, we're going back, and we're just hammering on old topics but again you all know your show this is the the whole format of the show is you bring up a topic once the buzzards come in with their responses and then all of a sudden you've spent two weeks on the same topic yes i that's how the show is set up i'm sorry i'm not sorry that's just how the show's set up and you're in on it so let's let's go back to here we go back into injury predictor mode because in the last show, I talked about Frank Gore, according to Injury Predictor, has a 6% chance of missing a game in 2015. Meanwhile, Ryan Matthews has a 48% chance of missing a game in 2015. And that those probabilities are not as accurate as they could be. Ryan Matthews, 48%, that jives with my data that I have on the, the probability of any given running back missing a game—it's very high. Ryan Matthews a little higher because he has a lot now has significant scar tissue built up in, in various areas of his body and lower body, especially. So yes, his running style seems to invite injury. So yes, I Ryan Matthews has a higher probability of being injured this year than the average running back, but the average running back's chances of missing a game due to injury are relatively high. And the idea that any running back, Frank Gore or anyone, would only have a 6% chance of missing a game isn't right. It just doesn't pass the sniff test. And and there is a counter-argument, though. I just want to make sure that you all know where this argument comes from. Like, This idea that the older running back is actually more durable has been empirically demonstrated. There is an intellectual underpinning to the idea that the older running backs are more durable. So I want to talk about that for a minute. I mean, it's counterintuitive because we've talked about it before. You know, I'm 37 years old and lots of parts of my body are starting to break down randomly. My back, my quad, my calf, my hamstring, just when I do yoga, or I go golfing, or I play tennis, god I sound like a prick, <laughs> I sound like a prick, <laughs> in Connecticut, playing golf, and then playing tennis, between podcasts, that's who I am, that's right, that's right, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, yes, I'm that guy, I'm wearing a white polo right now, with seersucker pants, and you can't stop me, minions! but it's counterintuitive it is but it it it, there are intellectual underpinnings and the underpinnings are summarized by something called wolf's law and wolf's law explains why running backs aged 24 to 29 are the most durable and that running backs 21 to 23 years old actually have a higher injury risk again counterintuitive but true because of Wolf's law. Wolf's law is essentially states that the body, as it absorbs stress, it begins to harden itself against the stress. And the easiest example to see is gravity on our bodies is a form of stress, is a form of pressure on our bodies. And so there is a certain bone density that is required of our bodies and that bone density rises over time and then it plateaus in order to withstand the gravitational force on our bodies. But when astronauts go into space and they no longer have that gravity pushing on their bones, their bone density starts to dwindle. They become essentially more injury prone because they are no longer withstanding the pressure they are no longer in the crucible that is the earth's atmosphere and it's applicable to football when the as these running backs are exist for years and persevere for years in the crucible of football it hardens their body according to wolf's law and injury predictors data backs this up so there there is a, an intellectual underpinning and empirical data supporting this notion that a running back of age 26 is essentially the most durable type of running back. It's why DeMarco Murray and Matt Forte were injured early in their career and then during their age 26, 27, 28, in the case of Matt Forte, anyway, we'll see with DeMarco Murray playing 16 games a season. Seemed injury-prone in the beginning of their career, and then suddenly became durable. That's a, a, a that's actually a common cur- injury curve of a number of players. You'll see that happening, where the the injuries and the games missed will decline as they get into their mid-20s. And then at the end... It ticks back up because the body, the, the benefits of Wolf's Law eventually diminish and the, the degradation of the body due to age starts to take over because the law can only extend so far. You can only keep pushing it out so far before running backs eventually become mortal. Because if, if not, if you could keep pushing out Wolf's Law into perpetuity, then running backs would eventually become immortal. And anyone that's owned Steven Jackson or Fred Jackson last year knows that there is an inflection point in injury proneness when Wolf's Law stops mattering. And the inevitable muscle and connective tissue degeneration that occurs with age, combined with the collisions that an RB has to endure starts to negatively impact that player's health. So age does matter, but it's also tricky to correlate because of survivorship bias. The high body mass index backs, like Frank Gore, and backs that accumulate a relatively low number of carries through age 30, like Fred Jackson, Those are the ones that necessarily survive in the league until age 32. The league flushes out the other players that would be injured in their early 30s but never make it to their early 30s. That's survivorship bias at work. And when you look at like a Steven Jackson from 2014... Just looking at Steven Jackson's age and injury history weren't enough. He had a strained quad, but it wasn't a recent injury. Steven Jackson's strained quad that he had before 2014 occurred in 2011. So it wasn't even factored into his recent injury history when calculating his 2014 injury risk probability. But here's the issue. And we know this from physiology scar tissue from muscle strains and tears never goes away this is why Arian Foster is a higher injury risk this year even though he played more games in 2014 than he did in 2013 the scar tissue in his hamstring isn't going anywhere What drove Steven Jackson's proneness to injury last year, and what drives Arian Foster's proneness to injury this year, is BMI, body mass index, age, career carries, and previous injuries to quads in 2011, hamstrings in 2012. And here's the other issue. Here's the other fact that I want to give you, just to, to discredit the idea that Frank Gore only has a 6% chance of being injured this year. 6% implies that Gore will miss less than a game. That's what 6% is. It implies that he will miss less than a game this year. But our data on running back Fragility, and I'm going to be writing an article for playerprofiler.com soon on fragility rates. Our data on fragility rates shows that the average running back misses two and a half games per season due to injury. And the running backs over the last two years with a 60% snap share, so the starting running backs for NFL franchises, Over the last two years, here are the totals of running backs that played 16 games as starters getting a 60-plus percent snap share. In 2013, there were only five. Five running backs. That's it. That's a very small number. Chris Johnson, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Marshawn Lynch, Matt Forte. That's it. What about 2014? 2014, the number went up. Alfred Morris, DeMarco Murray, Eddie Lacy, Frank Gore, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, Lamar Miller, Matt Forte, Marshawn Lynch. Yet, the RB fragility rate on a per-game basis last year was 15%, up from 10% the year before. That's because the committee backs last year were the ones getting hurt. And a lot of this is just random, but regardless, the rate of injury for running backs on average is a lot higher than 6%. Last year, Darren Sproles, Gio Bernard, Sean Green, Reggie Bush, Mark Ingram, Danny Woodhead. Even quarterbacks who have a separate rule book essentially protecting them. A whole separate rulebook for referees and umpires and all the officials. They have a separate rulebook protecting the quarterback that is, with totally different rules on how you can hit the quarterback than other players. Even the quarterbacks over the last couple years have had a much higher than a 6% chance of missing a single game in a season. So the idea that any back much less a 32-year-old Frank Gore whose body is past the point of being able to benefit from Wolf's Law. That any back, though, would have only a 6% chance of missing even one game this season is patently absurd.